This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Do you love God's Word? Are you ready to learn? Okay. Um, let's uh, look at this series that we've been in. Uh, we're in our, our third week of Living the Anonymous Life, um, Part 3. Um, for those of you that have not been here or um, your first-time guests, and by the way, Could we just welcome all of our first-time guests that are here today? Just let them know if you're here, you're welcome and glad to have you here. Um, This is uh, the third week installment of this series. And the first week, just for a review for those, uh, we introduced this idea of hidden, unseen seasons in our lives uh, and the necessity of them. In the first week, we looked at this sometimes difficult reality that although we may feel at times lifeless, barren of dreams, direction, purpose. The Father's work in us does not sleep. He is purifying our faith, strengthening our character, conserving our energy, and preparing us for the future. Beyond that, the reality that desiring Christ's authority can't come without his hidden life. What is unrecorded or unseen is not unimportant. In fact, what is unseen is most integral, necessary, formative, and foundational to you and I understanding and experiencing the fullness of what God has planned for our lives. So we looked at, you know, what Arctic scientists have now deemed the the iceberg equation. 10% of an iceberg is visible above water. 90% is unseen below the surface. Uh, Arctic scientists now have created this equation of 10% visible plus 90% unseen has created this indestructible structure of sorts. And so we've superimposed that upon our lives. Uh, From God's perspective, anonymous seasons are sacred spaces. They are quite literally formative to be rested in, not rushed through. And most definitely never to be regretted. Hidden years are the surprising birthplace of true spiritual greatness. So we pose the question of ourselves in week number one, how do we respond to God's not yet, the, the, the delayed destiny of sorts? And we together made the commitment to live planted lives that allowed our roots to go deep in him, as opposed to living potted lives that move to and fro and are less settled. Week number two we ask the question, if we're going to hear God's voice only once, if you were only going to hear God's voice just once, what words would you love to hear him speak? And we considered the message that was spoken over his son's life when he stepped out into public ministry, a declaration from a father to his son, Matthew chapter 3, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, relational, whom I love, committal, With him I am well pleased, the approval of God. A message that was being spoken over him for 18 years in hiddenness from the age of 12 to 30, which allowed him to receive it more fully as it was spoken over him in public. Because when what happens in public doesn't happen in private, what do we say? It loses its weight, its validity. And we reminded ourselves of the promise that through Jesus, we inherit the same affirmation, isn't that encouraging, from God above shouting these same words of love over his children, even before we are recognized or celebrated, not because of some stunning accomplishment, but because of who we are and who we belong to or his. We considered this. 
whose voice is getting in the, in the way of you fully receiving and believing what God is speaking over your life. Whether you find yourself today in a valley, a low point, in a, at a high point, a, a mountaintop, his message to you remains the same. You are his child. He loves you. He's committed to you. He approves of you. You qualify for his grace and mercy, no matter what you've done. And together, we chose to find our comfort, our security, our identity in the words being spoken over us by God the Father. Now, that's been in the first two weeks. Today, part three of our series, Living the Anonymous Life, we're going to look a little more closely at the 90% beneath the surface. Yes, this could be during hidden seasons of your life, and it's a time that's being afforded to you to grow. You remember uh, the understated verse that precedes Jesus' 18 years of anonymity. Jesus is 12 years old. His parents have retrieved him from the temple. And then this massive understatement at the end of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And Jesus grew. Very simply, hidden seasons afford us the opportunity to grow. So instead of becoming embittered towards it, embrace the season and choose to grow. Perhaps perhaps you're not necessarily in a hidden season, but you're looking to develop the 90% below the surface. Or possibly you're realizing that you need to redirect your focus on the unseen private parts of your life. Ironically, not surprisingly, ironically, there is great crossover in the opportunities for growth during hidden seasons and the maintaining of the disciplines and growth that need to be taking place in our lives on an ongoing basis. So, the question for us today could be, what grows, or maybe even better, what has the opportunity to grow during anonymous hidden seasons? Obviously, the answer to that question is contingent upon the choice of the person going through the anonymous season. Or, what should be growing or being developed in the unseen places of our lives? Again, our ability and desire to pursue these things determines whether or not our below-surface self is growing and maturing. So five things today that have the opportunity to grow during anonymous seasons or that we should be pursuing in the private, unseen places of our lives. Number one, the anchor of God's Word in our souls. The anchor of God's Word in in our souls. I know that's what I'm supposed to say, right? Uh, It's the obvious one. And yet, with its blatant obviousness, I find that this is still a huge missing component in the lives of people. People like you and me that would readily admit that it's vital and crucial to our Christian walk. And yet, we still find it extremely difficult, challenging, sometimes even daunting to spend time in His Word. Hidden seasons provide the space for us to invest in Scripture, memorization, and meditation. Now, before you sigh in your disappointment over your past failures in this area or present frustration, let me point out, hopefully as a word of encouragement to you, we would do well to make note that when Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the desert, not long after his baptism experience, 
he quoted one sentence, not 100 pages from Scripture. He resisted temptation with a sentence. His word is potent. It's powerful. Meditating on and memorizing Scripture is not a feat reserved for those granted with photographic memories. I was just talking with someone in the back, and they said, do you just uh, remember names well, or how do, how do you do that? You know, Some of us have been graced with uh, the ability to remember names and pull things up. And sometimes it can be daunting when we're trying to memorize Scripture when we haven't been blessed with this easy recollection of what we've read. Consistency, listen, consistency, not speed, is the key to this adventure. What grows through the slow and steady practice of meditation and memorization is a truth that anchors, that holds us in the fiercest of storms. Beyond that, it provides a protection over our lives. Psalm 119. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Side note. You cannot hide what you don't possess. You cannot hide what you don't possess. But if you hide his word in your heart, it protects you. Don't let the bigness of God's word prohibit you from starting. Just start. Just start. And when you do, be consistent. I, uh, you know, as a little kid, uh, I had this little, little book that we would memorize scripture with, right? I had the same book that I started with, uh, we, have a, we have four kids in our house, so just extend your hand and pray for us right now. We have four kids. Um, our oldest is 12. When, when he was five, when Sadler was five, I started going through this very simple book uh, with him. Uh, same book that I started to learn scripture from when I was a little kid. And it was very simply just based on the alphabet, and we could recall scripture based upon that. So A, all we like sheep have gone astray. B, but he was wounded for our transgression. C, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. The mom and dad really liked that one. They made sure I got that one good. D, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. E, every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? F, for the wages of sin is death. G, God is our refuge and our strength, right? H, he is the same yesterday, today, and right? I, if you ask anything in my name. So this is how I started to learn scripture as a young child. Now, here's one that I get hung up on. I can't remember scripture references all the time. And it drives me insane. Chapter and verse, right? Instead of just being confident in, it is written. Jesus, who didn't have scripture reference at the time, by the way. It is written was enough. So we all have things that we get hung up on that we think are going to be these major, oh, well, I'm still not accomplishing the bar because I don't know the exact verse. No, no, no. Start, Start small it will start to reshape what we talked about earlier, thinking. Here's what I do know. It's very difficult to reposition our feelings behind God's will and word if we are unfamiliar with God's will and his word. One simply cannot quote what one simply doesn't know. So we pray for this, I don't know, this dispensation of sorts of God's Holy Spirit when we're in these moments to just bring to recollection something that we've never read. Uh... It usually doesn't work that way. So allow the anchor of God's word to take root in your soul. Secondly, second thing that grows in anonymous seasons or that we should be pursuing, self-control. Self-control. 
our ability to throw out an anchor in God's word and reposition our feelings behind God's will will not be an instant acquisition. No. This severely underrated virtue and strength will have to grow steadily in unapplauded places, in private places, in unseen places. Don't expect to have self-control in public when you've never displayed it when no one else is around. Going back to this iceberg equation, icebergs do not grow virtually uh, indestructible top-down. No, they grow bottom-up. In addition, an iceberg's strength doesn't emerge overnight, but slowly, layer upon layer, over time. Self-control, friend, is simply defined as the ability to discipline our appetites and desires. Listen, listen to how Peter and Paul speak of this quality. Peter identifies self-control as one of the essential building blocks of an effective and productive faith. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. How many this morning would say, I would love to be ineffective and unproductive? No. Well, then look at your life and ask yourself if faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge, not self, are these things in your life? Because if they're not, you might well be leading an ineffective, unproductive, Christ-like life. Paul refers to self-control in association with the work of God's Spirit within us in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, we know, you know, we typically know the three, first three or four, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You're trailing off. I don't hear what the rest. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Both of these passages emphasize that the development of self-control is part of an ongoing process. Peter speaks of possessing self-control in increasing measure. And Paul refers to self-control not as a gift of the Holy Spirit, but as a fruit of the Spirit. So, love and peace... Joy, self-control is not conferred or awarded, but it is cultivated and accumulated over time. Later on, uh, Timothy and Titus, I don't know the scripture reference, don't quote me on it. It is written somewhere in Timothy and Titus, I promise you. Paul Paul lists lists self-control as a non-negotiable quality of anyone placed in governing or mentoring roles and as a virtue that the learning or younger generation should seek. Let me just uh, say to the younger folks here, take advantage of these somewhat hidden anonymous years by learning to implement the discipline of self-control. God graciously grants us the opportunity to wrestle with our appetites and our desires before others' lives are at stake to struggle with our passions privately before moral collapse affects the innocent publicly. He's affording you an opportunity, young person. 
During these years when you're not calling the shots or taking the heat or on the front lines or in the spotlight or fully responsible for paying the bills, self-control has the opportunity to grow slowly and steadily, layer upon layer, until all of that inner strength fuses together and creates something, yes, indestructible. I've seen people that have struggled with this virtue in their adult years because they didn't take advantage of the time afforded to them during their youth to gain progress and and victory in the area of self-control over their temper, over their mouth, over their appetite, over their desires, friend. He's affording you, young person, an opportunity to gain self-control, which is simply at times saying no to yourself. No to the desire to be right and heard. No to the idea that you are entitled. No to the idea that you deserve it. You're owed it. Maybe, maybe we should just be more concerned with our responsibilities rather than our rights. We have lots of rights, don't we? And we're quick to point them out. Self-control, unless paired with the anchor of God's word, will be impossibly sustainable over time. And it will lead to rationalization that causes us to underestimate the temptations that will come our way. Temptation twists the truth. When we we hesitate, which we all often do, before a lure of immediate gratification, we, we, we hesitate. Our minds can feel overtaken by a fog of confusion. And the longer we stare at the lure and the longer we wait to reposition ourselves behind his will and word, the fuzzier the truth becomes in our minds. Then we begin to justify our decisions and we question what we formerly thought we knew. Did did God ever really say anything about this issue? Even if he did, is it still relevant today? I mean, really. Besides, How can something that feels this good be that bad? Certainly God wants me to enjoy my life, right? Here's another outcome of considering temptation too long. We abdicate our responsibility to discipline our appetites by convincing ourselves that we are doing, what we are doing is the lesser of evils. A few examples of that. We listen in silence to a slanderous rumor, but at least I didn't start it. Uh, We punish someone repeatedly in our thoughts, but at least I'm not physically harming them. We, We fantasize about impurity privately, but at least I'm not engaging in that physically. The kind of reasoning almost makes it seem as though we're doing God a favor by sinning. As though he should be satisfied or even proud that we're not doing something worse. In moments of temptation... The question we need to ask ourselves is not what is better than, but what is this feeding? Because whatever we feed will live to tempt us another day. This is a very biblical principle. Reaping and sowing. Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived, friend. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, we typically hear this when we're talking about money. Let me ask you. Are you reaping joy in your life? Are you reaping peace in your life? Are you reaping freedom in your life? 
if you're sowing those things, you might reap them. Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The anchor of God's word and self-control. Number three. What else has the opportunity to grow in anonymous seasons? What should we be pursuing? Number three, a disciplined mind. A disciplined mind. Almost a result of self-control. There's certainly some crossover there. This deals less with our outward external actions and more with our thoughts and our imaginations. Hidden years provide ample opportunity for us to discipline our minds. I might add, this is also something that will help us develop the 90% below the surface, the part that nobody sees. What is under investigation here is our vain thoughts and self-perception. Those thought patterns that puff us up from the inside out or invite us to escape from reality and experience a more affirming existence in our minds. Of course, The Bible is very clear that transformation taking place in our lives will be closely tied to the battle between our ears. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Friend, the battle is in the mind. Then you you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Disciplining our thoughts, our imaginations, can be an enormous challenge. Especially when we perceive ourselves as deprived of affirmation or acceptance or or approval. Listen, it is absolutely critical that we not live out in our thoughts what we know we shouldn't live out in our lives. I'm going to give that to you again. It's critical that we not live out in our thoughts what we know we shouldn't be living out in our lives. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard it, that it was said to the people long ago. You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. 28. But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Listen. We are accountable before God for our thoughts as much as for our deeds. Now that's a scary thought. (laughs) We are accountable to God for our thoughts just as much for our deeds. What are you thinking about? Vain imaginations make us discontent with our current realities. The spiritual, moral, and relational repercussions of intentionally nurturing such discontentment can be devastating. This is why infidelity infidelity often starts with the thought, there's probably something better out there for me. Or, I deserve better. Yet, We often dismiss our daydreaming as harmless. Not true, my friend. Our minds are not contained environments. They are controlling environments. And you shape your environment with the thoughts that you have. 
You can't allow your mind and your thoughts to run rampant. You'll become slave at times to a created reality disconnected from truth. May we be careful to not use our imaginations in a way today that will compromise our integrity tomorrow. It's quiet today, I know. Number four. Fourth thing that could be growing during anonymous hidden seasons, trust in God's timing. A trust in God's timing. We anchor His Word in our souls. We start to instill self-control and we start to discipline our minds and we trust in His timing. For those of you experiencing a hidden season, it is quite possible that your life is being marked by a loss of some control in your life. This is certainly true when we enter hidden seasons involuntarily. A death in the family, illness, grief, relational crisis, tragedy. Some of you are going through hidden seasons that you did not choose, but were imposed upon you. This can also be true when we enter hidden seasons willingly. Just just ask a new mother how in control of her life she feels. I promise you. It can feel as though we've lost control of our calendar and things are not happening according to our plans because it's being dictated to us by this little thing that we love so much. I might add, we have four of them. Amazing. We've already talked about our response to God's not yet. The gap that can exist between our our current realities and the God-sized dream in our hearts. We've talked about that. I will say this, though. Trusting in God's timing also means being able not to listen to the external voices around us telling us that it is time. Prompting you to get ahead of what God is trying to do in your life and accomplish. Listen, even Jesus was tempted by others to circumvent God's timing. Look at this, John chapter 7, verse 3. Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. In Nashville, this kind of looks like uh, people showing up where someone convinced them that someone needs to see their talent. Do you realize how good you are? Verse 4, you can't become famous if you hide like this. They'll never see you in this small town. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. In other words, bye. Jesus, who's much more diplomatic than us. (laughs) Likewise, at times you will have to remind people, even those closest to you that are well-intentioned, that you're not waiting for people's praise an invitation from the leadership, or even a window of opportunity, but you are committed to waiting for God's revealed time. The other challenge as you emerge from hidden seasons is to not have resentment in your heart towards the hidden season. That it didn't happen in your timing. During the unseen, choose, decide that Father God always knows best, that His ways are perfect, and He is never, friend, He is never, ever late. Choose that. Decide that. Delayed dreams press the question of whom we will let 
hold the clock for the rest of our lives. When God's timing is not your timing, and it's in your power to do something about it, whose timing will you choose? Ultimately, your answer to that question depends upon whom you really trust. My advice, don't get ahead of him. Don't get ahead of him. What grows in anonymous seasons? Number five, last one that we're going to look at today, and and really this is not an exhaustive list, of course. Many things could be growing in our lives during hidden seasons. These are just four or five. Number five, an accurate portrait of God. In other words, our view or perspective of God. Besides, Anchoring ourselves in God's word is nearly impossible if in our hearts we are unsure that God and his word are actually good. How do I anchor something in my life that I'm really not convinced is good? Sometimes in our waiting and in our impatience, the hidden seasons can compel us to wrestle with the character and yes, at times, even the existence of God. When our dreams are delayed and our potential is seemingly forgotten, We may question whether or not God loves us or hears us. When loved ones die and near ones leave, we may question whether or not we even like God. Which prompt questions like this. If if God is good, then why does evil thrive? If God is all-powerful, then why does he not heal? If God is all-knowing, then why does he not act? If God is everywhere, then why aren't things different? If God is real, then why can't I sense him? And if God is near to me, then why do I feel so forgotten? And though he rarely answers our inquiries audibly, the important thing is that he stands beside us faithfully while we ask, while we wait, while we weep. I was having coffee this week with a friend that went through a a terrible tragedy. And you know what he and his wife wanted most during that season? They They didn't want a book on grief. They didn't want a moral platitude or cliche. They didn't even want a CD of a sermon that I had spoken. Imagine that. You know what they wanted? They wanted people to just be with them. Not even have to say anything. Just care enough to be with us. This is what God offers us as we ask the questions. When our ways are not God's ways, though it may be uncomfortable at times, we must wrestle with the discrepancy between what we think God should do and what he actually does and allow that struggle to influence our image and perspective of God. After all, Who wants a fully understandable God? One that can be explained, contained, and predicted. I don't know about you, but I don't want a God like that. Wouldn't that that be just like bringing God down to our level? Understandable, predictable. God knew. He knew he would have this struggle. Prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts, listen, 
if we wrestle with those questions, with the lamp of God's word by our side, illuminating our way, an increasingly accurate portrait of God will emerge from our faith struggle. I believe that. A portrait that is strong enough to trust in, good enough to wait for, and wild enough to never be contained in our little box. What grows? What grows? What has the potential? What has the opportunity to grow in hidden seasons of our lives? Anchoring God's word in your soul. Instilling self-control. Disciplining your, your mind and your thoughts. Take advantage of the time. Trusting in his timing and having an accurate view of God. These are, these are all things that can be growing, yes, during your hidden season. And we can even be pursuing to grow the 90%. They're also what we should be pursuing every day. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.